This is the reading of God's word. We're going to read out of the book of Hebrews, chapter 10, verses 19 through 25. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. The word of the Lord. Amen. Thank you, Beth. Good morning, Trinity Church. So good to see you here this morning. Again, a few that are here that I haven't seen for weeks. And uh, it is truly such a blessing to hear your voices. I mean, uh, I, I like singing alone. It's okay. I love singing with Beth. But when we add all of our voices together, it is so glorious. And I know this... Uh, this reaches and touches the heart of God as well, to hear his people praise him. Did you follow what we did this morning? We sang about God's holiness, we sang about his goodness, and we sang about his grace. There's nothing better than to proclaim the character of God as we sing. So uh, for those of you that at home who were singing along, thank you for doing that. For those of you that are gathered here, thank you for singing out and worshiping God. Um, this is what we're calling our rehearse phase in getting back together. So we do have again this week a few more. We add a few more each week. And so uh, thank you for being here to help us practice our coming back together. For those of you still watching at home, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for making time. Thank you for getting set up and opening the laptop or pulling up on your phone, whatever you're doing this morning to be a part of this service. Thank you for doing that. And it is great to be able to say good morning and really mean good morning. This this has been so confusing over the last few weeks because, as we, Jason said, we've been recording the services on Friday afternoon. So I don't, I don't know if it's morning or afternoon or nighttime, what it is. I'm, I'm trying to do it at one time and then talk about it as if it's another time. But this morning, we are here, this is live, and we are worshiping God together at Trinity Church. So thank you for being a part of this. Let's bow in prayer before we go into God's Word together. Lord, we thank you for this time. We thank you for for your presence with us, promised that you are here with us. Lord, thank you that we can be so assured of that, that we can rest in that, that as we proclaim, as we just did, your holiness and your goodness and your grace, that we can be absolutely sure that that is who you are, that is what your word proclaims you to be, and that you are pouring out 
that goodness and grace on us this morning. So, Lord, we thank you for that, and I thank you that as we begin this process of regathering, that you would just work in our hearts, that you would gather us well, that we would come back in, in unity and in harmony and in oneness of mind to accomplish the work of your kingdom together, as you've called us to do, to be your church as we've continued to be. And so, Lord, I pray that in these next few minutes, you would speak to us again through your word. If we didn't have your word, there would be nothing for us to say this morning. But it's because you've spoken to us, you've revealed yourself to us in your word that we have something to talk about this morning. So we want to learn from you. And I pray that it would be your Holy Spirit at work in us and your holy living word at work in us to teach us and encourage us and motivate us, move us to be the people you want us to be and to do what you want us to do as your church. So we commit this time to you. In Jesus' precious and holy name we pray. Amen. We are in this together. We've been hearing this phrase for a while, right? That was one of those early phrases that came out in the midst of this pandemic. We're in this together. And I think the idea was to to remind us that though the pandemic, the virus was kind of separating us, isolating us, that it was happening to everyone around the world. And so we're all in this, we're going through this together. But did you notice how that phrase morphed over time? That a few weeks into the pandemic, it became, we can get through this together. There was, I think, a sense of need for a little bit more hope. Like, so there's, hopefully there's going to be an end to this. Hopefully we're not going to stay like this. There's going to be an end. And, and so that hope drove this, we can get through this together. But in both of those phrases, did you notice, they both end with the word together. Even in our world, even in the secular world, Apart from God, there's a sense, a desire, a need for connection, for relationship. And we feel that together as Christians as well. But for us as Christians, and this is what I want to highlight this morning, it's more than just the fact that we can be in something together. It's more than just the, the idea that we can get through something together. As believers, God says we are better together. Now, if you were here back in February as part of our Valentine couples dinner, maybe you remember, well, that sounds familiar because that, that was our theme for the Valentine dinner. And we meant it, of course, in, in a marriage context. But today it's the, it's the title of our sermon because Better Together really fits for the whole body of Christ. For all of us together, we are better together. That's what the Bible tells us. And so as we come to this this passage today, Charles made this, this slide as you, you see it on your screen at home or you see it up on the screens here at church, better together. If you look closely, you'll see in the background faces of your church family right here. We need to get everybody up there, but we got a lot of the faces of Trinity Church in the background of that slide. Now, some faces you haven't seen for weeks, perhaps. So this was a great way to remind you that we are better together and we were coming back together. And I want to show you this by starting just real briefly with the example, an example from Jesus' life before we go to our Hebrews passage. 
Matthew 5 tells us that Jesus, before he started his public ministry, he went into the wilderness, into the desert alone, and he fasted and prayed for 40 days and 40 nights. I mean, you talk about isolation, you talk about quarantine, Jesus experienced it fully and completely. He was in the desert being tempted and tested by Satan. At the end of those 40 days, he came out of the desert victorious over Satan's temptation. And what was the first thing he did? Matthew 5 tells us the very first thing when he comes out of the desert, out of this 40 days of being alone, he goes and recruits his disciples. He gathers his team. He starts us a small group. He comes out of this desert quarantine. He gathers together his disciples, and he begins his public ministry. Think about this. If anybody in the history of the world could have done life on their own, it would have been Jesus coming as the Son of God and the power of God. He could have done it on his own, but he did not do life or ministry on his own He chose togetherness. And the Bible calls us to that too. It calls us to that same pattern. You know, the Christian life is personal, but it's also corporate. The the Christian life is about the individual, but it is also about the group. You may come to God all alone in a moment of faith, but God then sends us out together as his church. And that's what the writer of Hebrews captures in chapter 10. So if you have your Bible, please go ahead and turn. If you're using an electronic device or if you're home, go grab a Bible or some way to follow along in Hebrews chapter 10 this morning. As you're turning to the passage, let me just give you a quick summary of what the writer is saying here in chapter 10. He's talking about Jesus coming and fulfilling the Old Testament and the whole sacrificial system. Jesus came to be the perfect and the final sacrifice for sin and that his death on the cross paid the penalty so that our sins could be fully forgiven. All because of what Jesus did. And I love the finality of the statement in verse 18, which we'll put on the screen. This is the New Living Translation. And when sins have been forgiven, there is no need to offer any more sacrifices. I love that. It's such a statement of finality. And, and it, what it means is that when you come to church, you don't have to bring an ox with you. <laughs> you don't have to bring sheep or doves. We're not doing sacrifices on the front steps. We don't have a, a blood-stained altar here in the church. That's no longer needed because of what Jesus did. Because he stained the cross with his blood. And so this is where the writer is coming to at this point in this passage. We've been forgiven because of what Jesus did on the cross. Therefore, verse 19 is where we're starting today. Therefore, because of what Jesus did, we now have a response that's needed. Our forgiveness in Christ gives us a boldness. It gives us a confidence that we could never have on our own. Because of what Jesus did, we can now overcome fear. We can overcome barriers. All that that the writer's going to talk about in these next verses. 
And the writer does it by giving us three let us statements. That's not the green leafy stuff. It's let us. Three times in this passage, if you were listening to Beth read this, three times the writer says let us. So that's going to be our focus. Those three points, those are our marching orders. Those are our priorities for the Christian life. And the first one is this. Draw near to God. Draw near to God. Now, it takes the writer, this is fascinating, it takes four verses to get to that draw near to God that's coming. But before that, the writer lays this groundwork, this extraordinary, awesome groundwork to get us to that point, talking about Christ as our sacrifice and as our priest. So let's pick it up in verse 19. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain, that is his body. And that we have to stop there. He's coming to, because of all this, here's your first reason why you need to draw near to God. Because you can. Because there's a way now. Because of Jesus. So he talks about this most holy place. So what is that? It's also called the Holy of Holies, another way that we refer to it. It's referred to in the Bible. And this was, as you remember in the Old Testament, this was that room inside the tabernacle, later inside the temple, where only the high priest could go, and only once a year on the Day of Atonement. This was where God's kind of glory would come down. This demonstrated to God's people the presence of God with them in the Holy of Holies. So sinners, all people, were separated from this glorious presence of God by this huge, thick curtain. Now, I'm sure it was smaller when it was a tabernacle. It became this huge, big, thick curtain in the temple. And this is kind of a representation of what it might have looked like. This is it already kind of letting you see behind it because there the Ark of the Covenant was inside that Holy of Holies. But this is also the curtain, if you recall, that retore from top to bottom when Jesus was on the cross having his body torn apart. A very visual representation from God. God did that. Nobody went in there and tore that curtain. God did it to demonstrate that because of what Jesus was doing on that cross, we could have access to the very presence, the holy presence of God. There was no longer any barrier, no longer a curtain. That because of what Jesus did, we could enter into, not just into a room. It wasn't about a room anymore. It was about into a relationship with the Father. That's what Jesus did. I've, I've mentioned this a couple times in recent weeks, but say it again. That one of the things that has, I think, saddened me most in seeing pictures of, of this COVID-19 virus is, is seeing how people are have, to, have to be put into isolation, you know, into a room, the curtain's drawn, you know, uh, set aside, quarantine, all these words that are now familiar words to us because of this that happened to a person who is found to have a sick with this coronavirus. And maybe the worst of all is I pulled a picture out of an isolation pod, now, can you even imagine this, being put in a, essentially like a bag on a bed? For some people, that's been their place to recover. This, the, the virus has caused this separation between the sick and the healthy, necessarily so. It's just, for me, it's a stark reminder that sin is the ultimate virus. 
Sin is what separates us from our holy, perfect God who we sang about this morning. Sin separates us from him. But because of what Jesus did, the blood of Jesus can heal that sin virus, provide forgiveness for that sin. What Jesus did tears down those curtains, opens up the way, let's essentially unzips that isolation pod so that we can get out and step into God's holy presence and have fellowship with him. And so I just, I think about this in imagining what it would be like for some, a patient who's been in that for days or weeks, isolated, and suddenly, not suddenly, but after time, once they've been healed from this virus, but then they come out of isolation. The curtain's drawn. The pod is opened. The doors are opened. They walk out, and they're reunited with family and friends. How extraordinary, the extraordinary joy that would come from that. And that's what the writer is saying. That's what Jesus has done for us, opened up the way for us to step in confidently into the presence of God in a relationship with God. Jesus has healed us by his sacrifice. He tore down the curtain so that we could be reunited with the Father. But he did more than that. That's what happened by his sacrifice. But then the writer goes on in verse 21 and says, And since, we're not even there, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God. So Jesus not only gave his life, don't, don't miss this, he, he gave his life on the cross, dying for our sins so that our sin could be forgiven. But Jesus didn't stay in the grave. You know that. He came three days later out of the grave. He rose from the dead. He came back to life. He returned to the Father, and he's at the throne of the Father now doing what? He's interceding for us, speaking for us, calling us into this relationship, this closeness, this presence of the Father. He saves us from the isolation of our sin, but then he ushers us into the very presence of God. And we can run to the arms of the Father without fear because of what Jesus did. And that brings us to verse 22. The key verse in the passage here says, the writer says, Now let us draw near to God with a sincere heart, with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. You, you understand what the writer is describing here. It said, if you have placed your faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior, then you've been cleansed from your guilt. You've been washed clean of your sin. You've been, if we put it back in the virus terminology, you've been healed of your sin virus. And you don't have to be afraid anymore to enter into the presence of a holy God. In fact, this is the beautiful part. Not only are you allowed in, God wants you in. He's calling you and he's inviting you in. He says, come in to me. I really hope this pandemic has given you time to consider that a little bit more. Maybe that's one thing that will come out of the good that will come out of this is maybe there's been time for you to, to listen more to God, to sit still in his presence a little bit more, to draw near to him. I hope and pray that we have been applying that verse that we just read a lot recently. And if not, there's still time to do it. <laughs> I would still encourage you to do it. This is an everyday thing. Draw near to God. It comes through confession and receiving that forgiveness 
and we step into relationship with him. We're better together. We're better together. We're better because we're together with God. We are now have access to him. We can draw near to him. But there's another thing that the writer says next in verse 23, draw near to God, but then secondly, hold on to hope. Hold on to hope. This is so relevant for right now, right? Our world is just looking for, begging for, trying to find some kind of shred of hope. What's next? Some, just give us something good to look forward to at the end of this pandemic. There's, there's a desire for this, a longing for this. And so notice what the writer says in verse 23. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. There again, the character of God. What is this hope that we profess? Well, it, it's the hope of heaven. It's our belief that God is going to make all things right, that he is going to one day perfect us. He's going to recreate this world so that we can live together with him without sorrow, without pain, without any viruses, without death. That's our hope. That's God's promise. That's what we hold on to because of his faithfulness. So, yes, we should draw near to God right here, right now, in our relationship with him. But one day, and this is our hope, one day we will draw near to him in person. One day we will draw near to God face to face. Now, I don't know about you, but that means a whole lot more for me now than it did just a few months ago. And I never imagined that I wouldn't be able to see faces of my church family, my friends, and even my literal family as much as I want. As, as most of you know, we have a daughter and son-in-law and their two little boys who live just down in Marietta. So they're close by. We're, we were used to seeing them often. Well, we've only seen them just a few times over these last months. So there's a picture of our grandson, Mark. He's our oldest of our grandkids. And, and yeah, Beth is, oh, yeah. And that's what we see. <laughs> and I love that we have pictures. I mean, they send us videos. They put things up on tiny beans. You know, we, we FaceTime and uh, Duo and Zoom and all those other virtual ways of connecting. And I love that, that we have that, especially with our kids and, and grandkids in Wisconsin because they're not close by. So we depend on that. But let me tell you, there is nothing like coming to somebody you love, getting cheek to cheek, and drawing them close. There's nothing like that. And I miss that. And that longing is what the writer is talking about. That's our hope. That's our longing. That's our desire. To be one day with our Lord in person. To see him face to face. To look at the eyes of our Savior, the one who gave his life for us. That's our longing. That's our hope. And that's what the writer is reminding us of here and saying, hold on to this. Just to give you another kind of view of this, I saw on the news this past week, one, one night on the news, a story about a, a mom, and many people have done this in these recent months. She left her family, she, she's an EMT, she left her family in Ohio somewhere, went to New York City where there was a great need. She served there for 42 days, working 12-hour shifts every single day for 42 days. And after 42 days, this is what happened. Watch this video. 
Look, uh, right, turn, see, look out there. You guys look out there. Look out the window. Look out the window. <laughs> Why would you want to look out the window? <laughs> Mom? <gasps> Mother! <laughs> I told you she was going to come back. There you go. That's what we hope for. That's what we long for. That's what we call heaven home. One day we'll be able to embrace our Savior. That's our hope. One day we will be truly better together forever with our God. But there's one more thing the writer reminds us of. Better together because we can draw near to God. Better together because we can hold on, must hold on to our hope. But also, the writer calls us to reach out to others, to one another. And this is the third let us of the passage. And it's a great reminder that not only are we better together when we draw near to God, but we're better together when we draw near to one another. Verse 24. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Now, I have to admit this verse hurts a little bit because we've had to give up meeting together. (laughs) Just what the writer says don't do. We've had to do it as a way of slowing down the spread of this virus. It's been part of how our society has responded to this. But but apparently, in this group, in this church, the, the, writer, the, the readers that were reading this letter, this was happening to them, and, and we're not told why. We don't know. Were they not coming together because of, of problems, difficulties, um, a persecution? Or was it just that they were forgetting, they were getting lazy about it, it just wasn't happening? Whatever the reason... The writer is saying, there's no reason not to. You need to come together. Don't forsake the assembly is the literal translation of those words. Why is this so important? So the writer gives us the reasons here that God wants us to come together, to be together, to encourage each other, to motivate each other toward love and good deeds. Now, that's a phrase that's always intrigued me, to spur one another on to love and good deeds. The, actually, the word there, the, the NIV translates spur, is, is a, usually in, in the Greek, it's a negative concept, to provoke. So, like provoking anger or argument or whatever. But in this case, the writer's obviously using it in a positive sense because it's provoking others to love and to good deeds, to good things. 
And so I think this translation of spur one another on actually kind of helps provide that sense because you remember the old westerns when the, the cowboys would have their boots and have the, you know, the spurs on the back of their boots and kick the horse to get the horse moving. Now, that probably didn't feel very good to the horse, but it would get that horse moving in the right direction. And I think that's what the writer is saying here. That's, that's a legitimate way to read this text is we need to be kind of poking, prodding, getting each other to move in the right direction, to do what God's called us to do, to live right and to do right. And listen, that cannot happen unless you are in personal relationships with people. To spur somebody on requires a degree of familiarity and trust that's built in relationships. You don't just do that to anybody. Well, we might, but it's not good. It, there's not a good ending if we spur somebody you don't really know that doesn't know it's coming from love and from your heart. So the writer is telling us we need to get together. We need to meet together. We need to do life together. We can be better together. But I want you to please hear me on this because of the times that we're in right now. Coming back together here at Trinity is, as we're planning it to be, a slow process. We're taking these steps toward regathering, and for some people, it's going to take longer than others, and that's totally fine. Some of you that are watching from home, stay at home for a while longer. That's fine. I'm not trying to rush this. I'm not saying, next week we need to all be here, you know, we need hundreds of people in this room. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that ultimately we cannot let this pandemic scare us away from each other, scare us away from relationships. We cannot let isolation become our habit pattern as we move forward. And, and many of you listening today have, have found new ways, more ways to connect with other people. Some of you have been on the phone more or, or on email more or texting more with other people just to keep those relationships going. Some of you have found other groups, joined a small group or gotten involved in a Bible study group, maybe that you weren't before because now it's more accessible to you online. Some of you have, have gathered with friends or family on, on a driveway or on a deck or on a parking lot somewhere where there's plenty of space and open air. And as you have found these creative ways to stay connected to people in your life, that's good. And just affirming that. That's where we need to be. But maybe for some, this has been a time to just crawl into a cave. And maybe, maybe for some, it's meant you've dropped out of groups or left a Bible study you were part of. Or maybe it means you're not connecting as well with friends and family. Relationships are suffering because of it. And maybe for some... Maybe for some, you've been hibernating, hunkered down. And I understand that. That's been part of our experience now. But I want to encourage you to find ways to reconnect. It may still need to be in a distance, but find creative ways to engage in those relationships, to get reconnected. Because if we don't, we cannot fulfill the one another commands of, of Scripture. We'll get cut off from one another and from the body of Christ. And you can't live that way. So this is my encouragement for us going forward. 
Let me try to show you a little bit of the difference of how it's happened out in our society. You know, when, when this pandemic broke loose and everything shut down, uh, most restaurants closed, closed their doors. Some were still open for drive-through or curbside pickup or whatever, but you couldn't go inside a restaurant. And for, for many restaurants, that meant they, they just couldn't figure out a way to do it, and they just closed, just closed their doors. But if you followed some of the stories, there were a few that got creative and said, well, we've got the ability, we've got the food here, so, we've, so we're going to keep our staff busy. We're going to make food, but we're going to then deliver it. We're going to put it in a packaging to deliver it to healthcare workers. We're going to get it to, to the hungry or to the homeless. Some way we're going to find people who need this food and we're going to get it to them. A creative way to keep serving, not just shutting down. And I think that's, we need to... Uh, Take that, learn from that as believers as well. We cannot let this time shut us down relationally. Find ways to keep serving, to keep connecting. To not let isolation kill us. You know, the need for spurring on one another, encouraging each other is is now and will continue to be in the months to come a great need, maybe more now than ever. That's always been part of what God's called us to as a church, clearly, from Scripture, but maybe we need this now more than ever. To reach out to each other, even when we maybe can't meet, can't greet, can't hug, can't do some of the things that we're used to doing as a way of showing our love for one another. But like we talked about last week, we need to find other creative ways to communicate that love. So Trinity Church, here's my hope, here's my prayer, is that this pandemic will not in any way detract from our togetherness in the long run, but it will increase our commitment to togetherness, that we'll come back from this even more longing for togetherness, committed to togetherness. And maybe that some of you who've never been a part of a small group and really gotten in those kind of close accountability kind of relationships, maybe now you'll see the value of that, the need for that, and you'll step into that now, even if you never have tried it before. Or maybe you tried it and it didn't go well. Try again. Maybe for some of you, you've never been a part of a ministry team. You've never found the the closeness and the connection that happens when you serve along somebody else. And maybe as we come back together, now will be the time to try that, to do that. You'll see the value of it, having been isolated for two or three months. My hope and prayer is that we will come back together and we will do what this passage says. We will spur one another on to love and good deeds. We will encourage one another as much as we possibly can. Why? Because the day is approaching. And this is where the writer ends. What, what, is, what does this mean? It's, it's the day of the Lord. It's the day of Christ's return. And so the writer is saying, this is all the more important because Jesus is coming back, because you have that hope. And it's closer every single day we live, folks. Every day puts us a day closer to Christ's return. And when something like this happens, this worldwide pandemic, it makes me think it may be closer than we think. And so the return of the Savior, that that anticipation of his return, is the greatest motivation for drawing near to God, for holding on to hope, and for reaching out to others. We do this because Jesus is coming back. 
As we close this morning, it's, it's been, you know, two and a half months since we shared communion together. And that's a sad thing because Jesus left us this way of remembering him together. And so this passage I felt today moved us to, I felt we needed to resume communion today because of the content of this passage in Hebrews chapter 10. It fits so well. Let me just describe for you how it fits because the bread and the cup remind us of Christ's sacrifice, right? And, and as the writer of Hebrews tells us, it's because of his sacrifice that we can draw near to God. And this is a reminder that we need that relationship with him. We need to confess our sin and be right with him, drawing near to him. This tells us that. But remember, Jesus also said, do this until I come again. So this is an ordinance. We're to keep practicing till Jesus returns. So every time we do it, it's a reminder that he is returning. And so it reminds us of that hope that we're to hold on to. But it's also something that we do together. This is a, corporate, a part of our corporate worship around the communion table. And so for, th for that reason, it's also a reminder that we are together in this. We are in this together, meaning we're in this faith together and in our need for God's grace together. And so we need to reach out to one another. So even though it's just a small group of our Trinity family here this morning, and, and some of you, thank, thank, thank you for those of you who came by and picked up your elements during the week this past week, you have your elements at home. We invite you to participate there. Even if you're just going to watch this communion service, that's fine too. But this is a reminder. This is a very visible demonstration of this Hebrews 10 passage. And so I invite you to do this. As we're, as we're celebrating communion together this morning, draw near to God. You do that by confessing your sin, getting right with him, stepping in the way that Jesus made for you through the cross. I encourage you to remember your hope, thank God for your hope, and live in the anticipation of Jesus' return. And then also, I invite you to remember that we are here together, in this together, walking with Christ together, and that we need to be committed to encouraging one another every single day. And why? Because... The day of Christ's return is coming. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you so much for this time together. Thank you for your word. Thank you for this call to us that I, I truly believe is so appropriate for us right now. Lord, thank you that you loved us enough, Jesus, that you came to the cross and died for our sin, that the curtain was torn, that we have access to draw near into the very presence of God in a relationship with the Father. Thank you for doing that for us. Lord, thank you for your promise that you're returning and that we hold on to that hope that drives us, it motivates us, and that in the meantime, we reach out to one another, we do life together, that we encourage one another because we know that day is coming when you will set everything right, when you will take us home, when we will see you face to face. And Lord, more than anything else, that drives us and moves us and motivates us to live for you now together. So Lord, as we move into our time of communion, we just thank you for your love for us. Thank you for the sacrifice that draws us in to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.